It's surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest states these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives in this show. As always, is presented by Prevenex, the supplement brand I know and trust, and that sponsors this show every single episode. Man, these guys are just killing it, not only from a sponsorship perspective, which I love, of course, but also with their stuff. I mean, Joint Health Plus is making a real difference, not only for me, but so many runners out there. Here is a verified review from a verified buyer, KDP, age 26. Title is Huge Help to Hips and Knees as a Runner. I've used this for two months and ran out just a few days ago. Since running out of the supplement, my hips and knees have been feeling sore lately after my runs. I will definitely be purchasing another bottle to help out with my joint pains again. There you go. See, even if you didn't trust me, first of all, why, why would you not trust me? Like you're listening to this show. You love this show. No reason not to trust me, but if you wanted another person to say that they love this stuff, there you go. Listen to KDP. She knows the deal. So go to Prevenex.com, P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com. Use code RUNNER15 to save 15% on your first order. Now, today's episode is with Jameson Michael. This guy, man, talk about an entertainer. I love this guy's work on YouTube. He is one of the best uh, running shoe reviewers in the country. So... You just put that out there. He's really, really good at it. He's extremely knowledgeable. Not only does he break down what a shoe is like, he's really good at comparing it to other shoes. And he's able to balance the fact that, hey, just because a shoe doesn't fit him perfectly doesn't mean it's not a great shoe. And that can be a hard thing for all of us. And when we try on anything, if it doesn't fit us right, it's easy, it's easy to assume that maybe it's not the best. He does a really good job of weighing the, the different options and the different shoes. And he just has so much knowledge, not only about what's currently coming out, what will be coming out in the future, but also what has come out in the past. And I couldn't wait to get him on the show. This guy's great. I love his stuff. So go, go subscribe to his YouTube uh, I'll get it out. Go subscribe to his YouTube channel. There it is. I mean, you'll be one of tens of thousands who have already done so already. They're just really, really entertaining, as is this conversation. This guy's just the best. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Jameson Michael. All right. I'm here with Jameson Michael. Jamie, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. It is time. I am here. I am a little nervous. But thank you for inviting me. A little nervous. Say it ain't so. I don't believe it. This is the man who's just crushing it on YouTube. I cannot get enough of your videos. I was just telling you off air that even if I'm not in the market to buy a shoe or you're reviewing a shoe that I frankly don't care about, I still watch them just for the entertainment value because you really have threaded the needle between entertainment and informative. I just love what you're doing uh, with all of your reviews. It's just it really is a wonder. So first of all, let me just say congratulations. Well, well, thank you, man. That's the best intro ever. I feel I feel important. Just keep talking. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, it's funny. You and your team. I I love what you got. You guys always mix it up. I the uh, the recent ones have been hysterical. In the in the in the in, you know basically living in quarantineville and trying to do shoe reviews is a is, is a tough one. Uh, before we get into that though, I do I do need to ask like when you started launching the idea of like, okay, I want to start you know, either putting out videos or want to do shoe reviews. What was the evolutionary process to get from the the beginning of an idea of where you wanted to go to where you got to now? What, what was the, the, the kind of the, the initial spark that led you down this path? All right. So, I mean, the first process of what I was doing, it had nothing to do with shoes. I was really in love with like the music videos and like doing parodies. That was my thing. You know, like back in the, the golden era of YouTube, when everyone was doing parodies of every popular song, like I was really into that little thing. So I would like make like, little music videos, and I think that was cool. And, I'm, and I've always been a runner, so running has been something I always liked. And eventually, I got into shoes. As far as the interests of, you know, if you're a runner, you buy shoes. You, you, you want to know what you're, what you're going to buy. So I was kind of interested in that kind of thing. So I took the concepts of, you know, what let's do like a visual style, like a music video, but still kind of bringing my love for running into one weird mixture of nonsense. And that's kind of what I did. And that's kind of what got me started. The whole visual explaining the shoes and, you know, 
here we are now. Yeah, well, now you're pretty much an expert on this topic and you're, you're able to dive in and basically as granular as you want to go. So when you're constructing how you want to set up one of your video reviews, how much do you do go back and forth weighing the ideas of like providing information about exactly what the shoe is and can do for other people while also trying to figure out how you're going to make that an entertaining presentation? Oh, yeah. So the main thing, I don't care about anything else. It's just as long as I'm honest. If I'm honest, everything else will follow through. Um, I, I try to be somewhat informational as far as what the shoe is and what is the purpose of each shoe. So a, a lot of people, uh, they don't really know as far as what shoe is better or worse. People always ask, what's the best shoe? And the answer always is, it depends. So I try to explain what is the purpose of the shoe? Why is it good for me, for myself, or why it would be good for you, or why it wouldn't be good for me or, your, or yourself? And then you kind of go from there. So it's always just explain what the shoe is, you know, from top to bottom, what change if it's an update, and where does it fit as far as how I would use it in running. And then, of course, if it sucks, it's, you know, sucks. If it's great, it's great. And as you've built a following and, and your channel has continued to get more subscribers and your videos have done well, you know, just so well over time, what were some of the things that you found, um, I guess, connected you more towards your audience or things that your audience really connected with that helped kind of boost that popularity? Yeah, um, I guess the, the term I use is uh, elite jogger. So I live in Austin, and this is like the city of like everyone here is fit. Everyone here is running. I mean, we've probably had we probably sent like a dozen or so people to the Olympic trials for the marathon this past, you know, this past summer. So it's definitely a, a fast place and a, a little bit of an elitist type feel sometimes. And my goal is to make running, you know, um, inviting, make it inclusive. And so uh, I was told one time talking to someone who's much faster than me. Uh, he goes, how fast are you? How many races have you won? And I'm like, uh, I don't really run that many <laughs> races. You know, I kind of just, I, I like being outside. I get some exercise. He goes, oh, so you're a, you're a hobby jogger. And I was like, well, that was kind of offensive. That kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. And, uh, you know, so I kind of asked him, I said, well, what do you, who pays you? He goes, well, what do you mean who pays me? I'm like, well, you're a professional runner, aren't you? And so it's kind of like a back and forth. So, you know, I accepted a role of, you know what? I am a jogger, but I am an elite jogger. I love and people it. People ask what does that even mean? No one knows. No one knows what it means. But you know, it sounds good. You know, and it, it, who who doesn't want to be elite? I love that. I love that. That's like the the elite jogger. You know what I mean? That sounds a lot better than the downtrodden professional, even though they're probably the exact same ability. Oh yeah. Well, the, the funny thing is, I don't include your ability. So I always say I'm jogging. I, I never go for runs. I mean, I may jog a six minute pace. I'm I'm I may jog a you know. A two-hour marathon, I don't know. But to me, it's, it's always jogging no matter how fast you're going. I love this, Jamie, because so many people have like this negative connotation to the word jogging. Like, how dare you call me a jogger? And it's funny because for me, I kind of view the same way as you. Is that like, I'm not out here trying to kill myself all the time. Like, I'm pretty much the definition of a jogger. Yeah. And the thing is, it's just, it's just inclusive. You know, if I find someone who's brand new to running or, you know, in jogging, whatever, I want them to feel like they could be part of something. They feel part of what they're doing is fun. I don't want them to feel like, oh, well, I don't belong here or because these people are here are, are real runners or they're marathoners or whatever the case may be. I, I don't want that. I want people to I want running to grow. That's the, the goal of it. And the way it's going to grow is if people who aren't great at it join. That's why sports like you know basketball are so great because people play on blacktops. People play in the playgrounds. People play, you know, minor leagues, college pro there's there's a level of basketball for a swing to, to be part of it but running it needs to be that same way so i'll try to do my part as far as it making it you know fun and you know accessible i love that yeah because for you you really bring the running shoes to the people like you're not like trying to be pretentious about it like you know all like the highfalutin technology terms i've heard you talk about them uh on occasion but you don't bring that. You really try to like make it all right, as easily digestible as possible and make it fun while also giving people, you know, you know, as much information as they can. Cause hey, for a lot of people, these kinds of purchases is a serious investment. Yeah. You know what I mean? So so I th I think you, you you take the role seriously, but you do provide that the fun and enjoyment in it 
which is so valuable, right? Especially for you, like you, you're in Austin, like you said, it's such an active place. And shoot, even on this podcast, you know, I've had people on this show who've been from Austin, and and I've met people from you know all all these different marathons from Austin. You know, whether it's like the Mitch Amons of the world and Kate Watson, and like the guys from Atreyu and all those. Things. Like, it's just it's such an interesting uh, city for so many reasons. So let's dive into some of the stuff, man, because I I love what you're doing with the show, and right now is such an interesting time in. Just running, like this running shoot era. Like, I feel like 20 years from now, we're going to be talking about this era. They'll have like a 30 for 30 on like all the running shoe drama that happened in this era. And did you see this coming? Like, if you could go back three or four years ago when they started introducing these prototypes, and most people, including myself, didn't even know that they were being introduced at the time. But like, how, how, I guess you look back on it now, when did you start to see the storm coming in terms of what was ahead of us with all of the carbon plated drama? So like, I was a person, I was kind of following Hoka at first, because remember the, the whole minimal like era where everyone was doing the five fingers and the, the low natural way to run. And then all of a sudden the brand named Hoka one, one 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 came around. It was just big, thick soul. And everyone was like, what is this thick marshmallow? What, what nobody wants that? And then when I saw them kind of like getting more popular, I was like, okay, this is may become a thing. It's just brands getting popular and then people are wearing it. And then I remember watching around 2014-ish, they had a, a prototype. I don't think they even had a name to it yet. But it was a Hoka shoe with that thick sole and it had a carbon plate. And the way it was being utilized is kind of the beginnings of what we saw in the Vaporfly. And I I knew my my first thought was when Nike had got one of their uh, the Hoka's uh, designers, the guy who kind of made like that the invention of the carbon plate with the high stack height. They kind of got him up to their company, join Nike, and that's when you combine that technology with Nike's you know backing. That's when things started coming really fast, and boom, there we had the Vaporfly. And then when they had that breaking two event with Kipchoge, that first initial one. And they had the hype, and you had you know, the actors and Kevin Hart out there, and the whole attempt, the world was watching. It was a, probably the first time where, like, your average person who wasn't into running was kind of, like, interested in this idea. And the fact that Kipchoge got as close as he did that first time, oh, it was over. Any person who was interested in running wanted that shoe. It was the new, it was the running version of being like Mike. You, you had to get the Jordan. So you had to get the shoe that Kipchoge had. And I think once that attempt happened, you know, every other brand has to step up. And I think that's when I was like, okay, the storm's coming. We're going to see a lot more of these thicker soles. We're going to see a lot more of these carbon plates. We're going to see every brand coming up with their version of the same idea or their you no know, spin on it. And here we are in 2020 and every brand's either coming out with one or already have a few out. Yeah. And I was surprised how, qu- how long it took some of the brands to really m- execute that, that shoe as well as they could. You know, I just assumed that this was going to be a pretty short transition from all the other brands. And this was just my own naivete. I had no idea that it would take some of these brands years to try to catch up to even Nike's first first shoe in that series. Never mind what they're doing now. And say what you will about, you know, whether or not you believe in that tech, not believe in it, but whether you think that technology is is proper or should be included in, in these events and in the world athletic rules and, and all of those things. Take strip all of that away. Just from a technological standpoint, it really does seem that Nike just had such an advantage early on. Now that now that we've come to the point in 2020 where all these other companies have really been able to make a good faith effort, what are some of these high-end elite racing shoes that you feel like have, are kind of like closing the gap to what Nike has been able to do? Yeah, I mean, it's weird because in the in one, in one side, is they're all using carbon plates. And I feel like a lot of the brands, that's kind of the only thing that's actually similar because Nike's shoe was designed for the marathon distance. So it has a little more stack height, more of that squishy feel with the carbon plate. But I feel like a lot of brands are either trying to do something different with it such as like Skechers and Asics has a carbon plate shoe, but it's a lot lower st- uh, stack height. So they're not trying to emulate the exact same thing as what, what Nike's doing with the Vaporfly, but kind of putting their spin on it, maybe a different feel for it, because not everyone wants that same feel. Because let's face it, Nike is going to be number one regardless. So if you're into Nike or something similar to Nike, you're, you're probably just going to buy the Nike. So 
I think other brands are kind of putting their flavor on it to say, hey, if you don't like the Nike one exactly, here's a different kind of feel to it. But no, similar concept. Um, I think Saucony and New Balance is probably the closest as far as like closing that gap as far as technology they're using and the way the place being utilized for you know, that half marathon or a marathon distance. Uh, I feel like Asics and Skechers is kind of doing something a little different with the lower stack heights and also Adidas. They have their one, uh, the Audi Zero Pro coming out pretty soon. So it's it's interesting to see like what their idea of what a perfect carbon plate shoe would be. So I'm I'm interested in trying them all. Luckily, I've I've tried most of them, and it's just they're just different. And I, I can see why everyone thinks you know which one's better than the, the Nike or this one. They're just different. They're almost like running shoes in in normal sense. Like every shoe is a little bit different. So yes, there's a plate in them, but I think everyone's going to have their purpose eventually when they're all said and done. How about frequency of usage? This is something that I think is going to be a talking point for the next couple of years as these shoes become um, just, you know, become more prevalent. And also as the prices start to drop, uh, as they become more prevalent, is how often should people be using these um, for their running? Like, should they use, you know, carbon fiber you know plates for every hard workout that they do or just long runs and long tempo runs and things like that? Because I think that some people I know are having who have had injury trouble when wearing um, some of these shoes in an inordinate amount of time and how exactly they should fit into a rotation. Have you had any experiences with, with that sort of juggling or any thoughts on how they might fit into a runner schedule? Oh man, man you're going to get me in trouble for saying this one. All right, here we go, guys. Everyone listening. All right, dig in. So to my, my opinion, the carbon plate shoes, I think, have a place. And that place for me is racing. It's the shoe that is going to give you that extra spark for racing. You got to ask yourself, well, what, is a, what does a plate actually do? You know, so in normal sense, your foot would be the lever. When you're running, you're kind of going with, you know, the way you run. It, your foot works a certain way. Well, that plate kind of takes a place of what your foot's going to do naturally and gives you a little more of a artificial like push artificial spring which is great but if you use that spring or that lever all the time it kind of loses its function as far as like your strength of your natural strength so i tell people all the time like you don't want to be in a carbon plate shoe all of the time every single run every single long run and i, I see all the time i see kids wearing them on the tracks i see them on the streets i see them doing tempo runs slow runs recovery runs and I just think, you know, it's like, a, to me, it's like wearing a track spike. Do you, do you want to do your 10-mile long run on a track spike? But that's the fastest shoe, Jamie. But no, but it doesn't make sense to me to, like, use it in that sense all the time. So as far as what I think, I think definitely for race day, you definitely want to break the shoe in a little bit. So maybe a few speed runs, you know, when you're doing race simulations, speed workouts, that's fine. But we don't need to have, you know, your vapor fly just because you're, you know, from your two mile run to your going to Walmart and back, you know, take a, take them off, put some other shoes on. Every shoe has its purpose. And I think the purpose of the racing shoes with the carbon plates is for racing, but you know, but, but for those who wear the carbon plate shoes all the time, you know, it, it, to each their own. If, if you got money like that, Hey, okay. If you can spend two fifty for a shoe, that's going to, you know, burn out before you get to the race. And by all means do your thing. But that's what Jamie's saying. <laughs> Well, what do you think about that? Well, I, I think this, I think, you know, a lot of this could also come down to just biomechanics where some people just like that spring effect. Also, how you land, if it's too jarring for somebody and it can really like mess them up from an injury standpoint, well, then obviously you don't want that. That's for sure. I mean, if, if cost is no option, literally no option. Well, then, you know, maybe you do break them out for a little bit, a few more workouts than normal. Also, how many miles are you running per week? Right. So like if someone's like, all right, I'm running, you know, if I'm if my workouts mean or if I'm running 120 miles a week, which the most people listening to this show aren't doing, which means I'm maybe running 25 miles a week in carbon fiber plates, that could be problematic for people as opposed to like, hey, I'm running, you know, four miles a week in them. Look, well, that's not that big of a deal. You know, so I think I think part of it is, you know, the you know, how much you're running per week and and the percentage of that that you're actually using them in. Um, so I think it can be a relative statement, 
But hey, man, the price is just so high that you want to you want to make sure the spring is is in there, right? Is it you wear you wear that thing down? You know, you you wonder not the not the carbon fiber plate necessarily, because part of this too is with these shoes, is it's not just about the plate, and that's always been you know kind of the hidden secret. It's about also the foam that's you know that's in the midsole. Is you know you have these basically forget about the battle of the carbon fiber plates. I feel like for me it's the battle of the foams. Oh yeah, I mean, that's really that's really where the rubber meets the road with a lot of this stuff is whose foam is best. So I want to do a little king of the court, whose foam is best with you right now. All right, we have a king, we're on a king, a king of the queen, king or the queen, depending on which way you want to roll with it. You know the kind of the he- the head, the matriarch or patriarch of the throne, and then we have the heir to the throne, and then the court jester with with all these new foams. All right, let's let's go, let's do it. Wait, wait, wait. How about we both do one? That way we can kind of compare our list. We can't, but you are much well, much more well-versed in this than I am. Oh, I'm just on. like a guy who has who has shoes, but I'm not reviewing all the time. Oh. I don't have the full bevy of options that you have. So oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best, but you're the expert here. Dang, that's a cop-out. I, I got you, man. <laughs> all right. Let's go with the king. Sign for the king. I think it's fair to say Nike's Zoom X cushioning is what it's kind of setting the standard as far as the how light it is, the the bounciness, the response you get from it. It's just it's a, it's a light foam that kind of just gives you that that spark. When people say all oh, that bouncy energy return, I hate saying energy return, but you know we all got to say it. it gives you most of that. I think they are the king right now. Uh but right by right behind them, this is gonna be one that people might get upset about. But hey, it is what it is. Skechers hyperburst. Now, people are like, Skechers? Sketch? Yep, Skechers. That's what I said. I'll say it again. The hyperburst from Skechers. That stuff is it's a little bit firmer of a feel compared to Zoom X, but it gives you that bounce. It's, that one, it's the one shoe where I put on, I'm like, oh, I mean, I kind of feel the gimmick. Like, it's actually real. Like, the way I, after I run, I feel faster. I feel like getting up tempo is a little bit easier. The hyperburst is real. But, you know. It's Skechers, I know they're they're coming up though. Uh, if I had give a, a third round, this is I did my king, my queen. This, need, this is the court jester. This is the this is the bottom. This is the this is the, the the pretender who's just here to make us laugh. Oh, as far as like the the joke, yeah. Oh man, like the worst phone. Exactly. Oh gosh. Well, can I give one more honorable mention? Just one more brand. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, uh, New Balance Fuel Cell. Oh my gosh. Okay. Just let people know, fuel sales real too. But as far as the, the the jester, oh goodness gracious, I'm gonna get myself in trouble. All right, how about, I'll, I'll let you I'll let you marinate on that for a second because I'll, I'll I'll kind of give some. You asked for my opinions as well, so I'm glad that you brought up New Balance because I feel like they had two different foam midsoles going at, concurrently. Right, they had the fuel cell, and at the same time they had the fresh foam. And for me, the fresh, it wasn't exactly the same timeline, but it was, you know, they were, they were, they were happening along the same path for a couple of years. And for me, the fresh foam, I was not a fan. Now, I did buy the New Balance Beacon, the first one, and I loved it out the box. And I loved it when I tried it on. For me, it just didn't last. It didn't, it just wasn't right. You know, and I had, a, I had such high expectations and I loved it in the beginning. I really did. It just didn't last for me. And again, I'm not saying this as an expert who's tried on hundreds and hundreds of shoes, but for me, that did not work out the way I had hoped. And th- you know, that was just that was just such a bummer for me because I I had such high hopes because it was so light that I was thinking it would be able to be that everyday trainer that I really loved to be fast enough for the fast stuff and then also cushion enough for the longer stuff. And it just never quite got there. For me, I can't say it's the best or anything at all. But I have tried. I have. I do have two brand new Asics, and I can't wait to talk to you about that because that's. If anything, as 2020 has brought us so many negatives, the one positive is is that for Jamie Michael, Asics is back, and we can all get around that. And I know this has been a drum, the drum that you've been beating on for for a decade now. It feels like. So I have the the Cumulus 22. Ooh, and uh, Jamie, I know. That you, I think your your pal reviewed that one on your on your site, and the poor woman had to like basically run in it like in her apartment because yeah. she was quarantined at the time. Bro, and we cannot get outside. 
Oh my god, I felt so bad for her. She's like, you actually have videos for like running laps in her apartment. Um, and I love that shoe. I absolutely love that shoe, and I have the Nova Blast as well. So I was able to Ooh. compare the flight the flight foam blast and the Cumulus flight foam. I know Asics has a bunch of different flight foams, so I can't speak to the exact specificity of the one in the Cumulus. And they do have a different. There is kind of a there's a softer little cutout in the heel as opposed to the midfoot forefoot, but. I love that daily trainer. I really do. And the Cumulus 22 was what I hoped the Nova Blast would be. For me, it was like it's hitting all the it's hitting all the daily jogger checklists, which I like. So um, that was basically me filibustering so you could think of the court jester of foams. Well, you know, since we're on ASICs, you know, people always talk about their technology was always outdated. Everyone was going to new phones and they kept on using the the jail right the jail the jail and that's kind of the, the ongoing joke right I'm always saying you no know, the shoe has to have a jail in it and I, I think the Asics jail was kind of just this heavy kind of it had its appeal back in the you no know, 90s early 2000s but you know I think we're we're kind of past that and I think they are too as as you can see most of the shoes now they're using a, you know their newer flight foams they find new blends with the Nova Blast some shoes have no jail at all. And I think most of the gel shoes they have to have gel, they're kind of just there just for the more of the name because people are familiar with the name. But I, I, I doubt we're going to see like any more all gel shoes anymore. I think we're now we're just, just using just a little bit to say it's there, but then we're kind of using mostly the new foams. So I, I guess gel would be the one I would say, you know, we're, we're kind of done with that. Hopefully, ASICs, if you're listening, love you guys, but you know, you gotta can't be doing it anymore. Can I, can I throw another device in there? That, that that should go into the dumpster oh, is the is the Adidas torsion strip. I thought that thing would have died twenty years ago. It's still with us. I can't believe it. Man, okay, this is my this is my opinion, guys. Like I think boost for Adidas with with the torsion strip, just in combination, those were just things that it hit them. It definitely elevated the game, but then everyone kind of caught up over time and they never like expanded past that. I feel like they almost feel in the same trap that it was a blessing and a curse. Boost made them so popular, but at the same time, like they couldn't leave it because that's what was making the money. But now every brand has like surpassed boost in my opinion, but we're still stuck at boost in this torsion system. And it's just like, you, you can't leave because people are used to it. But if you do leave it, they say, go back to it. They, they they're in a trap. I think in twenty twenty, boosts may be that right by jail. Yeah, I say, right. And I feel like boost is kind of the heavier version of the new Saucony Power Run Plus. Oh yeah, like that's kind of. So I would say I was like, boost needs to come out with a, a boost two point and the Power Run Plus from Saucony is like exactly what I was imagining what they would do with boost. But now Saucony is doing their thing, and I think Adidas in itself is just I haven't had a, an Adidas shoe in the past like two years and I was just like, man, this is like, I just love this shoe. Like I've liked the Boston a few times, but other than that, I haven't had much luck with most of the solar boosts and solar glides and you know, the SL 20. I just haven't really found anything. I'm just like, I'm picking this shoe over what else is out there. All right. So I'm on this show. I'm all about positivity, but I do have some questions. So I'm going to, I'm going to sandwich it. So we've talked a lot of positivity I'm going to ask a couple a couple of questions that I know that is going to be more on the negative side. They want to end with a lot of positivity. So, okay, can you help me out? Can you help me out? What what is going on with Brooks? I used to love Brooks; they were so good. And then I feel like like the world just stopped with them. Like the like the the shoe technology community went into like the high speed lane, and then they took the exit ramp. Like I, what, what is going on? Like, this is a brand that I have loved for a long time. And then I feel like it's, it's, I still only love them because like they're like that family member who like, you have to say you love them. Like, that's where I am with Brooks right now. Oh, like they, the, it's, not, it's not true love anymore. It's just like, I have to, they're a part of my family. So I have to say it, but it's not true love anymore. Oh, dang. That, that's, that's crucial. Fatality. So Brooks, um, I would say with Brooks, this is kind of think how I break it down. Um, Brooks was definitely the, the brand that took over when Asics was number one. Brooks kind of took that number one in like running specialty of being that that one shoe 
that can just fit the needs. And I think that's kind of where they're at. They have a specific demographic that they're going for. And that's just the person who wants to get a shoe that can just feel good. They don't want any gimmicks. They don't want any glamour. They don't want any crazy things going on. They just want a shoe that's very modest. That's very just nothing flashy. And they are killing that demographic. The problem is you have guys like me and yourself who are like, we got, we kind of want something that's cool. We want the newer technology. We want something a little more edgier and something that's 19, no, 2019, 2020. You know, we want some of that kind of stuff. And they're set in their way of like just making sure they keep that demographic happy. We're talking like your 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 dads, your you know your older you know uh, the elderly, the not elderly, but you know like the people who just want a good shoe, maybe something they could walk in. They are sticking to that demographic because they have that demographic on lock, and I think they don't want to lose that by trying to gain a new audience that's already kind of taken up by you know the New Balances and the Nikes of the world. So I'm thinking they're kind of almost like stagnant. Because of that, in that sense, but they're killing it on the other hand of like the other 80% of people who don't care about running. They kind of just want to shoot that feels good and give them some art support, as they say. Yeah. So, like, I feel like there's like two different tracks, right? You have like the people who like love the adrenaline, they love the ghosts. Um, maybe they like the glycerin as well. And glycerin 18 is, has, has some upgrades. Uh, the DNA was it DNA Loft Plus. Uh, but anyway, so they have that gra- they have that demographic, which is great. But you also have the higher the higher like heel to drop heel drop stuff. You have the ten, even to twelves. Like the adrenaline is a twelve heel drop. So is the ghost. And it's like my goodness, like this is like for you know th- this is really pigeonholing you. And then they had this other offshoot. We're like okay, they come out with Ricochet, Levitate, and Bedlam, right in this little series, and then. It's like okay, this is interesting, right? There, it looks like this is their this is their technology. This is their branching out into a new demographic. All right, this is this will work. Levitate one, people really liked it. It's like oh, this is a great first shoe in the series. Okay, what can happen here? And then like then like the evolution just stops, and like DNA amp like that. They're and they're midsole DNA amp uh, with the polyurethane stuff. It like it just doesn't evolve. It can't even compare to the newer stuff. It doesn't even compare to like what they're doing with the DNA loft uh, midsoles. And at this point, it's just like, it's just a shoe that looks nice at this point. Like it's, it's, it's just a fashion shoe as opposed to a running shoe. So I don't know if you're aware of what they're doing next, but I feel like that was like their chance to kind of get back in the game. But like they completely ran off the road with that one. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember I, I was actually excited. Cause I was like, Ooh, something new. You know how many times do we need another ghost, and I, I've actually talked to Brooks directly, and I was asking about the ghost. And I said, "Would you guys ever like change the ghost as far as like maybe instead of a twelve millimeter drop, make it like an eight or something?" And they literally said, "That's the one shoe that we are not going to change in any dramatic way because it's our number one seller. It sells too many models. We can't risk losing that losing that money, losing that that demographic, that customer." So I think the amp series was like going to be the way of like, let's try something else. And I think I agree with you hundred percent. The Levitate one was like, Oh cool. This is interesting. And you, you can follow my reviews. The Levitate one. I said, Oh, this is cool. This is interesting. Let's see where this goes. I like it. The two, I was like, what the heck? The three, I didn't even want to review. Cause I was just like, I'm not even, I'm not even enjoying the shoe to review it. I just I don't want to get enough miles in it. I just quit. It running was the it. same as the two. It just same looked different. Two. It was the same one. Bruh. I was like, who are you kidding? Like, why, why are you doing this to me, Brooks? And uh, right now I have the, the Levitate 4. I have it in testing right now. So. I saw you wearing them the other day. I had to ask. Yeah, so I'm trying those. And they told me, no, this is a new amp. It's like 20 or 20, 30% lighter than the previous amp. Um, it's going to be this and that. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let's see what it, you know, what it, what it feels like. So I've had it for about a couple of weeks now. And I'm still working on my review. But yeah, I mean, it is lighter. It is lighter. I think... The problem with that levitate with the the amp DNA or DNA amp, however you say, it, is it was too heavy. It just like everything on the market is getting lighter, and that amp was just it was just too heavy. It was kind of like it was heavier than Boost, I think. Right. Well, they, they pigeonholed themselves. They did like the exact opposite of what you want. They're like, all right, like the slower you run, the less forgiving and responsive it is. We're like, yeah, but this is a heavy shoe, which means I'm never gonna wear it when I'm going fast. Exactly. And then the Ricochet was. I don't know. I think they quit making the Ricochet. I don't, I don't hear, I didn't hear anything about a, a sequel or the next one, but um, yeah, it's kind of, 
they kind of put themselves in the corner. But I will say, you I mean you asked about the next thing they're doing, and this is like the comeback. And I will legit, I will say it's legit. It's the the DNA flash. I'm not sure if you've seen the shoes, uh, the Hyperion Tempo. Yes, yes, the black, the black with the blue missiles. That is that is the first time I tried a Brooks shoe and was like, wow, this feels like it's it should be around. Like this DNA flash, they need to. I'm, I'm putting this in my review also, but they need to take that DNA flash and make that what Amp is supposed to be. It is. It, it kind of reminds me of what the Hyperburst is from Skechers. That same lightweight, bouncy, like that fun feel, and it's a it's an eight mil drop. Yeah, it seemed like it had everything with like potential durability questions, but for the most part, that seemed like that one was just getting people just love that shoe. Yeah. Everyone I've talked to who's 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 test driven it has loved it. Yeah, and I mean we are our reviews coming out like probably this week, but it's we love it. And in Brooks in Brooks is taking note, uh their newest um I guess their carbon plate shoe, the Hyperion Elite. Uh that's the one that I guess not not people like that one because of the sole was too stiff. Well, they're actually making the, the sequel and that one's going to have DNA flash with the plate. Oh, interesting. So I, I'm kind of thinking my prediction is that they're going to like use the DNA flash and kind of trickle over all their performance shoes into that category of technology as far as foams. And they'll keep like, they'll keep the, you know, the glycerins and the ghosts and the drillings and you no know, on that side. But I think the performance side is going to utilize that DNA flash. And I think that's where it should go. And that's where it needs to be. But yeah, the the DNA amp. I think this is. I, I don't see it lasting very long. Um, the new one I have is it's it's okay. It, it's better than it was, but that's not saying much. You couldn't get much, you know, worse than that. I kind of feel like so. It's an improvement, but I'm still not like enthused. I'm more excited for the Diaparian stuff with the fl- DNA flash. All right, so let's bring it back to the positive. One more brand before we ended up with a couple couple fast questions. Can you tell the people? who have not run in Skechers yet, what they're missing. Cause I feel like this is, even though it's a national brand that's been around for a long time, it really got into the running game when they sponsored Mebka Flesky uh, a bunch of years ago. But even then they didn't, they had a hard time really breaking in, especially outside of Southern California. They had a huge contingent of people there, which is where the company is based out of. And then they had a hard time really spreading the, spreading their wings in basically commensurate with the quality of the shoe. And it seems like everyone who runs in Skechers swears by them, but it's just a hard, like their customer acquisition, it seems like it takes so long for people to try them out. So can you just, can you stand on the soapbox and talk about Skechers here? Because not that I have a stake in the brand, but I feel like it's one of those companies that so many people sleep on. And for the dedicated amateur runners who listen to my show, not only is it a great shoe, but it's so cost effective as well. That's the thing. I think Skechers themselves, I say it's frustrating because they are almost, because they're Skechers, it hurt themselves. Because if you say Skechers, what do we all think about? You know, shape ups, light up shoes, kid shoes, you know, grandma slip ons. That's what we think about when we say the word Skechers. That's what I did. I mean, I went to my first two years of YouTube and I, I didn't even think Skechers was a brand that I could run in. I was like, oh, this is a running shoe? No, like it's a joke. I literally had an uh, A6, not A6, uh, Skechers rep come to me and say, hey, here's a shoe, try it on, like, you can have it. This is my first, actually, real free shoe. And I was like, all right, if it's free, I'll try it. And then I literally did not want to like it. I waited like a week to even run with it. And then I did it for like a mile. And I was like, man, that wasn't too bad. And then it was like a week later, I'm like, man, I went every day in this shoe, and I like it more and more and more. And the problem is, they're 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 almost better than what you expect, but you don't expect it for that price. Because they're giving you technology that would cost you one fifty, one sixty somewhere else, but they're giving it to you for like ninety bucks, a hundred bucks, one twenty. You know, and then you have these sales all the time. So it's almost like the idea that is it because it's not expensive. You think it's not quality, but they're like the one brand that just switches around. They give the people what they want for a good price, and then giving you options. Like they literally have an option for every case of running from your race day shoes to your speed shoes to a carbon plate shoe to your high cushion, high stack shoes. They have a shoe called a Max Road that's literally the most cushioned shoe that weighs like less than anybody's like speed shoe. 
It's like under nine ounces for a men's size nine, and it's like the stack height of a Hoka Bondi. It's ridiculous. They're doing stuff that shouldn't be done. And people just don't know about it or don't care to try it or they don't, you know, they're too worried about, you know, how it, the, per, the perception of, you know, I don't want to be sketchers. I'll, I'll wear Nike or I'll wear this. It's that social thing of like, I want to be cool. So I got to wear the, what the cool kids are wearing and they're not wearing sketchers. But hey, you know, I think it's cool that their sketchers is giving people an option. And I, I love them. Like I literally ran in the, the Go Ride 8 like two days ago. I was running in the the Speed Six, the MEP Speed Six, that, like that shoe. I still have my hype, no, the the Elite version with the carbon plate. There's just they're all there's no bad shoe in their like top end performance line. But also what hurts them is the the names. Like, do you get confused on the names? The the Go Run name, yes, it, it's horrible. I get there's a couple of things. the 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 history of the brand hurts them. I mean, they can get past it. But in order to get past it, you have to make this like complete identity shift. So the names doesn't help with the identity shift. And frankly, with some of them, especially like their racers, the colors drive me nuts. <laughs> I'm just sitting there like, who who looked at this and was like, you know what? That shoe is great looking. Like I love the Go Run Seven. I love the Go Run Eight. I love. I like how the Forza looks as well. Um, but some of these shoes, man. Like again, I know. You know, taste is one of those things where it's like, hey, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. But I don't know who's who's beholding some of these shoes and going, you know, this looks great. And like, that's fine, except for the fact that this is a competitive marketplace, and there's a lot of other shoes that that, that, that work well too. So you kind of have to sip up the the style game a little bit on some of these racers. Bro, when they had the word speed on that Razor Three, oh my, it gosh. was most. <laughs> Frustrating thing ever. I said, guys, this shoe is potentially the shoe of the year. It came out towards the end of 2018. It was by far one of the best shoes, just versatility-wise, everything. But who the hell wants to run a, a shoe, a running shoe with the word speed? That's so douchey. Like, who, who thought of this? Who, who checked that box and said, yes, this is what we're going with? And I, was, so, and I told him, I said, don't ever do that again. And I love the shoe. And they actually made me a, a custom version of it with the word, with no word speed on there. Just no speed. It's just the color I wanted was some zebra stripes, which is kind of crazy too, but at least it's something I wanted. Like, no one wanted the speed. And no, I would say this, on a positive note, they're very aware of what people want and what they don't like, and so they're coming out with versions of the shoes that just look normal. Jamie, I have an idea. Maybe they should lean into the word thing. Like, on their, on their like, recovery run shoe, they can just write slow on it. I'll buy that one. I would. Not gonna lie. <laughs> just, just to have it. Just to be, just to be just that guy. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I would say be self aware. Know that people are like making fun of it. I would do that just as a like a April Fool's edition of a shoe. Like, make like make like five hundred pair with the word slow. I bet it would sell out because people would just be like, oh, "That's funny." Yeah, exactly. just do it. Exactly. All right. Um, Mark Reyes, uh, one of our Patreon supporters, had a question. What's your take on stability shoes? Do you feel like they help or hurt? And I know that it's going to be like kind of like depending on which one, but but just generally speaking. Yeah, I think the problem is stability shoes in my mind, and it's not a bad thing. And this is not for everyone, but I think it's almost like a crutch. And sometimes when you're hurt, you need a crutch to recover. Or you need help to kind of assist you in what you want to do. But you don't want to rely on that crutch for too long. You want to correct the problem. You want to correct the biomechanics. You want to correct the things that help you get through to not really need the stability. In a sense, I mean, some studies are showing that the stability is not helping as, as much as we think it is. But some people are convinced that it is. And so the main thing is go off how it feels. If, if, if a shoe feels good to you, whether it's stability or neutral, just go with it. We're probably going to tell you more than what I can tell you where any scientist can tell you. But I kind of think the stability thing is kind of phasing out. I mean, as you can see, most of these stability shoes are going towards, you know, guide rails and the medial posting thing is kind of just kind of phasing out. But, you know, we'll see. But that's kind of my take on it. It's going to be it is what it is. If it works for you, keep doing it. But I think it's always best to kind of fix the actual issue that's causing the overpronation or issues with the arch and strengthen that than to rely on the shoe to do it for you. I love that. All right. You talked earlier about people ask you, what's the best shoe? And you're like, listen, I can't answer that question. Like it depends on, it depends on your gait, your body, your feet, your speed. And there's, it's so individualistic. So I'm not going to ask you that question, but I will ask you a couple, couple fast ones here before we get going. 
what shoe had you the most hyped when you actually got your hands on it? Oh, the most hyped shoe. Oh, man, 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 man. I, I think I'm going to go with the, the, the Razor 3. I think that one was the one. It was the first one with Hyperburst. It was a new phone. I mean, there were some prototypes with the zebra stripes on it. And when I finally got my own pair, and I was like, oh, my goodness. And like it, it reached expectations. And obviously, it was my shoe, like my, one of my shoes of the year that year. So Razor, Razor 3 from Skechers. All right. Most underrated shoe all time. All time underrated. I think um, I think I'm gonna go with the, I, I'm gonna go with a new shoe. I think the 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 Saucony Triumph 17. I think it's not getting the the, the respect it deserves. It's it's cushioned. It's, it feels great. It it is nothing flashy about it. But I think of a lot of people would like who likes that cushion feel. I think they'll love that shoe. But I think it just could, it gets overlooked because it's just another Triumph. But they really stepped the game up this year. So I think it's not going to Triumph 17. I agree with you because that's one of those shoes that it doesn't say the word slow on it. But I think people, they read it as if it has like, it's like written slow and invisible ink. They look at that, they go, oh, that's a slow shoe. But like, I see these these pros who are sponsored by Saucony running in these things all the time. Like, they love that shoe. They are And like, they don't have to. They, they, can, they can rep any Saucony shoe they want. And they're running in that shoe all the time. And I know some of them personally, they love that sucker. Oh, they they feel great. Like I, if anytime I want to run, where I'm like, okay, I want a little extra padding, and it's not a slow shoe. Like it's a thing. It's a max cushion shoe, but it's not slow. You can kind of get some up tempo on that shoe if you want to. But hey, it's it's one of the shoes. If you haven't tried it, links down below. All right, most overhyped, most overhyped shoe. You know, I, I hate saying it, but I'm, I'm going to go with the Vaporfly. I'm sorry. Now, people, this is people always say, you know, who has the record? Who has the fastest shoe? Or my shoe, like my fastest time is with the Vaporfly. And my response to that is, you know, if you only wear a Vaporfly for your races, guess what your fastest shoe going to be? The Vaporfly. I think everyone's kind of overhyping it, using it for track workouts and this workout and that workout. And I think it's, it's kind of getting overdone. I, I think it's a great shoe, but it's definitely to the point where I, I'm seeing like guys who girls who are running four and a half hour marathons in the shoe, just in paper flies. And I think it's kind of unnecessary, but the hype's so real. You got the average Joe buying it, dropping 250 for the shoe. So in one sense, it's a great shoe. But in other sense, I think it's a little overhyped. I said it. I love it. I love it. I, I love the placebo effect too. I mean, hey, if it works for you, why mess with it? But I think you you bring a lot of truth to what you just said. That's for sure. Okay, last one. Now you try on shoes oftentimes before they come to market. So I can't say which shoe you're looking forward to the most because that means it's a shoe that probably I won't see for like nine months. So I can't I can't go that route. So which shoe are you most excited about to finally hit the market that either you've already tried on or that's that's on your radar? Oh, finally hit the market. Yeah. Is the ASICS Meta Racer out? Is that out yet? The current plate from, from ASICS? I think it just came out. I think that one's good. Uh, I think people, this is going to be down the line, but I think the New Balance Fuel Cell uh, Rebel 2. Mm. I think, I think that's, that's going to be like a spring 21 or maybe you know, late late 21, but I think that's going to be one where people are going to be like, oh, wow, they, they improved that to be even better. Yes, they did. Yeah, and for people who don't know, the Meta Racer was the one that Emma Bates wore at the trials. I think everyone saw her, you know, finish, you know, she was in the top 10 the whole race and she had those orange ASICs on. Everyone's like, oh, what are those? And that was the Meta Racer. And people aren't aren't exactly sure which one we're talking about. The word Meta is not the word. I feel like they should have found another name for that one because you hear Meta and my mind immediately goes to Meta Glide. And like Meta Racer is like the exact opposite. Yeah, they the naming, the, the prefix naming sometimes just kind of confuses people. Like we know because we, we know, but... If a person who doesn't know walks into a store or goes to the internet and searches the word, they're going to be so confused within the first five minutes. Like the Meta Racer, the Meta Glide, the Meta Ride, or no, <laughs> it's it's too many Meta. So the, the the carbon plate racer, yes, like as you explained, the carbon plate racer. Jamie, tell the people where they can find you on YouTube because they need to do it today. They need to have done it yesterday. It's not only so informative. I watch all the reviews. I can't wait. It's one of my favorite TV shows. I mean, that's basically where it is at this point in my viewership. So tell the people where they can find you. 
Okay, okay, let me write it down. Okay. All right, my name is Jamison Michael. You can find me on YouTube at Jamison Michael. You can follow me on Instagram at Jamison Runs. And I post a lot of nonsense on there. So if you don't like nonsense, you probably shouldn't follow that, but you should anyway, because I really need the followers and I need the money. Uh, other than that, I'm just basically on Instagram <laughs> on YouTube. But, you know, don't follow me on Facebook. Don't email me. But if you email me, you got me a good offer, send it to me because you know what? I got to pay the bills, baby. There you go. Can't can't pay the bills in running foam. Jamie, thank you so much for coming on. This was a blast. Oh, thank you. This is very exciting. It's an honor. So I'm, I'm glad to be part of a big resume of great people you had you had on there. So it's maybe the worst one you've had, but you know what? I'm glad I take that role and just take one for the team. Jamie, I interviewed myself one time, so you're not the worst. Oh. You got it at worst, you're second worst. Oh. Because I, I actually interviewed myself one time. That that takes the cake. So you're 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 fine. Can you send me a link to that one? I want I want to listen to it. I'm just curious now. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm taking that one out of the archive. All right people. <laughs> Happy running. Jamie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Also, big shout out to Prevenex sponsoring every episode of the Rambling Runner podcast. You guys are great. Also, if you haven't done so already, go check out the Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash rambling runner. This week, we're going to start putting out our exclusive episodes. This one is a follow up with one of my uh, past guests. We're going way back, 200 episodes back. To Melissa Milani, a good friend of mine, someone that a lot of you already know. She has got a good following uh, over on Instagram. Does just does, does amazing things. This woman is a doctor. She does, you know, she's an extensive runner. She does coaching, uh, not run coaching, but like health coaching. She's you know an active mom, a wife. She man, she this woman's life is so hectic. Yet she balances it all. She's extremely positive. She's fun. She's engaging. Um, and I just, I just feel lucky to call her a friend, frankly. So uh, Patreon is going to have a lot of follow-up episodes uh, that you may have liked in the past. I'm certainly taking recommendations. If there's someone you want to hear from, hey, let me know. I'd be happy to do it. So if you don't go over there and sign up, you might be missing out on some good conversations. So head over there, patreon.com forward slash rambling runner. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing this show with your friends. It means so much to me. So have a great day and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of star brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.